So, hello, Max. Hi, Natasha. Okay, so I'm sat in... Actually, I love this area. So, lately, I live in East London now. I don't live far from here, but I've been kind of exploring West more lately. Mm. And when I think about this idea of living back in West London because it's prettier, I actually, I'm like, I can't. This is funny because blocks in East. Like, this is literally what I've been thinking in my head. Mm. So... I can't live so far away from Block again. This is <laughs> this is what's been going through my head. Because last year I lived in Ealing. Yeah, we've not got a Chelsea one on the cards yet. Okay, okay. That's okay, because I prefer <laughs> it in East anyway. But then I was walking around here. So I'm in, um, I got off near, well, I, I was on a bus, but I got off and walked past some Hackney station. I don't know mm. if it was Hackney Central or Downs. I can't remember. But either way, it's cute down these little streets. There's nice trees and everything. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, it's, 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 East London is quite urban, but there's some nice parks. Yeah, it's nice. Um, it's got, you know, a very diverse populace and a lot of resources. If you're a creative, for example, you know, you can, I can buy everything around here that I need to on my doorstep. Oh, can that, you? That makes a difference, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So oh, that's so interesting. And, and at any time of the day as well. So I, I, I like living in the middle of Dalston and it really feels like you're living in the middle of a city okay. um, rather than a sort of suburb. Of London, whereas sometimes if you go a bit further east, it can be a little bit sort of a bit too residential. Oh wow, I didn't even know that. That's so funny. Yeah. Well, because I live in my land, right, and I do not in any way, shape, or form feel like I mean I don't do anything there apart from go to my house. Yeah. You know what I mean? I could definitely spend more time near Victoria Park. Yeah. But I just don't like. I'm just. I don't know. I'm so close to everywhere else that like mm -hmm. if I want to go. I don't know, like, I don't really party, but if I did, let's say, I'd probably go Shoreditch or Dalston. Mm. And they're so close to me, why would I not go there? Mm. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. interesting. Anyway, so today I have someone who has been a massive inspiration to model me and to me personally as Natasha. So I'm Natasha Minter. I run Model Me, which is a business designed to educate and empower models and creatives. And we currently run, obviously, this podcast and uh, three different kinds of events, fitness events, panel discussions, and workshops. Currently based out of London, but we did four events in America last year, so we're definitely not opposed to doing stuff internationally. And I have with me someone who, oh my gosh, wow, Block has such a dear part of my heart, you know, because it was one of the first gyms I ever went to in London as well. So there's so much history for me. Mm -hmm. um, but Max Oppenheim is a photographer too, but also creative director of Block, which is, and this isn't just by my very biased opinion, um, one of the best gyms in London, hands down, named by the people like Vogue and Wallpaper Magazine. And I mean, you get all sorts of celebrities at your place, don't you? Well, we do. I mean, we we get a, we get a lot of different kind of people. You do. Door. I mean, uh, the biggest name we've ever had is Anthony Joshua doing a commercial. I saw that the other yeah. day on the feed. Yeah, but that, that was but that was um, an event, effectively an event or a location hire. Okay. Shoot, you know, he's been here for shoots because we do rent the space out for photographic shoots mm -hmm. for various brands as well. Well, it's super beautiful, right? Yeah. The design is. So slick. Yeah, it's very, designs, you know, it, it is all about fitness meets art design and fashion is our kind of Concept. USP. Wow. Um, and, and, and we do genuinely kind of, um, you know, live, live by that. Um, so, yeah, but we get all manner of people coming through the door, but they don't really, no one really kind of is, over, it's not the kind of place where people make a, a real fuss over anyone. Right. If, you know, Everybody's treated the same. Well, you, yeah, we, that's nice. what we aim for. Yeah, it's good. Um, and I think some people like the 
you know, like to be able to just pop in there and do their thing and go without really being noticed or, or sort of focused on. Mm. But yeah, I mean, it's um, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of creatives, people in the creative in industries tend to go there. Um, quite a few musicians and artists as well. So, mm. yeah, we get some interesting people through the door. Yeah, I meet, it's one of my favourite spots to make new mates because yeah. I'm always meeting someone in styling or, like, some next-level, like, graphic design project, and mm. I'm like, what the hell? But I do think as well, because of the, you know, one, your classes, I think you cover such a range of different styles of working out for people, mm. and you cover literally from really early in the morning till late in the evening yes. so every kind of person can come depending on yeah. what kind of your schedule is like exactly and it's seven days a week right precisely yeah so and you have two two locations Clapton Shoreditch and you're about to have a third yeah we're opening in Manchester towards the end of summer okay amazing so it's currently being built at the moment how's it going it's going really well yeah um, you know the all the, the basic shell is in there um, the air handling's in there the mechanical as we call it um, it's all the key parts of the gym that no one sees Right. That everyone takes for granted, but it's right. absolutely critical to get it right. Yeah. Um, you know, your plumbing, electrics, and, and the air handling. If you get that wrong, you've, you've got major problems. And most people do get it wrong and have to have to redo it because, wow. they, because they, they underestimate the, um, the demands of the building. Um, so we're at that point now, um, and the design's, you know, fully realized and being built. Um, oh we gosh. are in a, a place called the Ducci Street Warehouse, which is on Ducci Street. Um, right next to Piccadilly Station. Mm. It's a, a Victorian bonded, bonded goods warehouse. It's a standalone building, a huge kind of, it's actually a block shape in itself. Um, you know, a, 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 a very imposing building. The majority of the building is going to be in a part hotel um, run by a company called Native. So they're, they're rather than rooms, they're more like suites. Mm -hmm. And they're all in a kind of very, um, very cool loft style you know, with brick vaulted ceilings. And oh, so you said rent for the weekend, right? Is that right? Well, I mean, average four nights day. So people will come for anything between four nights and two weeks. Okay, wow. Um, so it's a so bit people more... working too then. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. So that's the majority of the building, but the ground floor is occupied by ourselves um, block and um, the res a restaurant called Cultureplex, okay. which is in fact um, Bistro Tech, um, in London. I still need to go there. Yeah, and also Hoi, they also run Hoi Polloi in the Ace Hotel. So that is that's going to be interesting because we we will have our our space, which is a three studio gym and reception and changing rooms, obviously. Mm. And then they're going to have a, um, a cinema showing kind of art house films, a bar, co working spaces, private dining, and a really great coffee coffee shop as well. So. The idea, we'll be working with them to create an experience where people can go have lunch, mm. watch a film, do a class. Um, and it's a bit of a more, it's quite a complete experience. So, yeah, that's, um, that's going to be interesting working with those guys because we're very aligned as, as mm. brands as well. Um, we got on well with them. In fact, we probably wouldn't have done it if, if it hadn't been for those guys. Oh, yeah? Um, because we just wanted for, to work with for them. For Bistro Tech? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I think, I don't think so. You know, we really, because... You can't be next to someone on the ground floor and work and, and so totally close to opposite. someone and be completely opposite. Mm. It just doesn't work. We'd, we'd, then we'd want we'd have wanted our own our own unit, you know, yeah, our yeah, own yeah. building. Um, so, so people yeah. enter through Bistro Tech. Is that how it's going to look, or will you have your own front door? No, there's a there's a main entrance with you know each of our businesses on the door block, okay. 
native bistro tech. And then you're going through the main doors, blocks on the right. It's a very, it's quite beautiful, high ceiling lobby with vaulted ceilings. Oh, so it's like a, a lobby with entrances in. Exactly, nice. yeah. yeah. It's, it's, quite, it's quite an impactful So that was entrance. quite important then to be, to be standing next to a brand, brands yeah. that are important. Absolutely. So what does it take to be aligned with block? What does that look like? It, well, it means you've, you've just got to have good, good taste and be kind of very <laughs> driven by design. Um, okay, and nice. good service. Okay, and nice. And a good product. You know. So good service, good product, good taste. Yeah. Okay. Not really just good. It needs to be a bit more than good, really. Yeah, I think I think we'd, we're we're interested in being next to kind of you know really great independent brands with their own vision mm. who run good operations. Who are you inspired by brand wise? Like, either I mean, okay, here's a question: Who were you inspired by when you built Block from a design perspective? Quite inspired by Acme. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, that's interesting. Just because I think they've just got such a clear vision, and, and yeah. like, you know, you really know exactly exactly they're just they're just a very beautiful brand mm. um their stores are beautiful the clothes are you know beautiful it's really clear the website's beautiful yeah you know the, the typography is great the design's great yeah you so, are right it's very clear yeah so that clear was vision. so that was a kind of um an inspiration of sorts we didn't really look at any any other fitness brands at all you know for our for our branding um i more kind of took inspiration from the world of art and photography and design. I thought so. You would, yeah, yeah. You know, I was quite interested in interesting. I was quite interested in all the um, the early kind of Peter Saville work that he did um, in the nineties um, in Manchester. Okay. And actually, we always I always wanted to do a block Manchester. Oh I, yeah. Because I felt like it was a. I'm from there. Yeah. And b. It's kind of it felt like that kind of raw industrial heritage fitted very well with what we do as a brand mm-hmm. um you know and and we're right there now in the northern quarter in amongst all those kind of cool warehouses yeah it's cool isn't it? yeah I'm people really... do say like you know if you're gonna go out in manchester that's where you go out yeah definitely definitely it's got an identity of its own you know mm-hmm. it's not playing second fiddle to london or trying to copy what's happening down here it's always had its own mancunians have always had their own quite strong identity yeah sometimes you know they can wear it like a bit of a badge of honor <laughs> You know, and, and, and be a little bit prote- a little bit overprotective of it. But I think, you know, I've, as, as I've observed Manchester now, it's just quite an easy, open place where people are really receptive to new ideas. And, mm. you know, people seem to, people, there's, there's a lot of creative people there doing there this are. stuff. There are, it's know? true. I mean, I think the Northerners wear a badge of honour quite, quite proudly. I think, for me, lately, people have gone, Cheshire's not Northern, Ch- Cheshire's in the Midlands. And I'm like nah, you're wrong. Like, let me draw a map for you and I'll show you where the Midlands is. Because I went to uni in Nottingham. So I'm very like, no way. But yeah, no, I think sometimes I get so caught up. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely Northern. Um, But also what you said too about that being a whole... You must have seen then such a change in the creative world in Manchester. It's different now, right? Than what it was. The whole city is completely different. But yeah, it's it's the same. Like, there's... there's there's, there's, Stores there like Aflex Palace that I went to as a kid when I was 17 and I just wanted to be like Morrissey <laughs> and Robert Smith from The Cure and I'd dress accordingly and buy all my clothes from there. <laughs> it's still there, selling exactly the same stuff with the same posters. Oh, wow. It's, but that's, it's, it's almost like a memorabilia shop from Manchester. Mm. Um, everything else has radically changed. Like the, the structure of the city, you know, obviously Spinning Fields is there now, which is a kind of, you know, a very upscale business district 
Um, I don't really recognize it when I go up there. I'm still getting to know it again, to be honest with you. Mm. Um, I'm, you know, for me, it feels like a completely different place. Yeah, well, I don't even really even know Manchester at all, to be honest. I mean, I wish I knew it more. Yeah. But I just, you know, when I was 18, I went to Nottingham and that was kind of like, that was my city then. I yeah. didn't necessarily, if I went back to Cheshire, I went back to Cheshire, I didn't go to Manchester. Yeah, plus if you look same. at Nantwich, it's miles away from anywhere. It's isn't bloody it? miles away from anywhere. <laughs> like, like <laughs> you can't even get, I mean, I'm from a village right near Nantwich, yeah. so public transport is a no go. Yeah. Like, big no go. And it's so funny. So I was in Manchester last weekend with my sisters for my yeah. younger sister's 18th birthday birthday and me and my sister that's 24 that's just had a baby we traveled together from the crew so she picked me up in a car we parked the car and then we got the train and you know there's like a shuttle bus from piccadilly that mm. kind of takes you around so we were going to get an uber and uber was taking long which is great so i was like you know what there's got to be a bus let's just find a bus and she's like a bus mm. <laughs> i'm like yeah yeah a bus it's gonna be fine we get on this bus and she's like why is it free like why like, I don't understand how do we know when to get off and I was like mm. there's a map like I can use city map on my phone what city map it I'm like oh my gosh and then we're sat on the on the bus and she's like wow this is good isn't it like the city's really good for putting this on this bus this free bus that everybody gets around the city and I'm it's just so funny like I'm so reminded of how much my sister doesn't use public transport mm. because she's from like in Cheshire you just don't have that at all like the school bus was probably the only transport I ever really took before you know I moved to Nottingham and you just take it for granted like massively you take for granted how easy it is to get around such a big city and how how good it is I mean and I think that's why I think that's why people that don't live in London um you know they come here and they're probably quite overwhelmed by it and quite bombarded because we're just oversaturated with transport that you just don't need a car in the city to get around yeah no I mean there's a lot of people I know who who are Londoners who've never taken a driving test. Yeah. Which I find preposterous. Like, the idea of not yeah. having to drive, to me, is like, what? Like, you consider yourself a man and you can't drive a car. I'm fucking serious. That's but, hilarious. That, <laughs> oh, my God. But, you know, why, you know, like, not being able to drive a, a vehicle seems very bizarre. But mm. if you lived in London, you would not. Um, and there's so many people like that here. Yeah. Like, loads. Yeah. I remember one of my friends, he must be, my gosh, I don't know he's in his 30s definitely I've no idea what he is but I remember he was like taking his test and I was like taking your test I was like I took my mm. own I was 17 what's wrong with you and he was like yeah but I've never needed to and I was like so what do you mean never need to like do mm. it anyway you know but it's true if you don't need to why would you mm. I get it so if when you build block actually this is a question I had which links very well is location always quite important to you do you, do you choose wisely in terms of like being close to a obviously because you know the new one's going to be right next to Piccadilly Obviously, Shoreditch is down the road from Shoreditch High Street and, uh, you know, Liverpool Street. And Clapton is four-minute walk from the station. Sure. Is that was that is that always purpose or is it just the way it's turned out? Well, I mean, location's critical. Um, you need to be near public transport, like a mainline tube station or, or overground, mm. in order to stand any chance of getting the numbers that you need through the door. So not just like a bus station? No. Not. It has to be a tube. Well, it, you know, my, the, the truth is, every time we pick a new site, it doesn't happen unless the stars align in a number of ways. Okay. The building has got to be right. The landlord has got to be prepared to do a, do a deal with us. Mm. Um, the ceiling height's got to be there. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the sort of entrance and the access has got to be right. Um, the street that it's on needs to be 
that's a bit more debatable. I think that, I think that you can create your own world within a building, mm. but it definitely needs to be near very close to a public transport link. Um, now, when we opened in Clapton, we went right out on a limb. Yeah, that that was that was as a result of my business partner Ed finding the space in Clapton mm-hmm. um, as the base for his building business and having an excess of space. And he approached me and said, do you want to do something with this space? And originally we were going to open a photo studio with a set builder's workshop annexed onto it. Wow. That was the initial idea because we fell, I fell in love with the space. Yeah. I didn't really even need to start this business. I was, quite, <laughs> I was doing perfectly fine as a, as a sort of advertising photographer. Yeah. Um, but I did want to work with Ed and I was quite, and I was interested in the space. But then rapidly, we kind of realized there was a market for yoga mm. in particular in um, somewhere like Clapton. Mm. And also a very interesting community. And of, Clapton had nothing there, right, when you built it? Well, no, there was a lot of businesses, restaurants, bars who, who were opening at that time, actually. Okay, about so it was half, like on the brink. Yeah, about half of them have gone bust now because loads of them opened thinking that there was enough of a market there to service them and actually there's not. Wow. But what there's nothing of is good gyms and particularly one like ours that offers a variety of classes. Exactly. So, you know, we were thinking at one point, like what on earth are we doing? You know, we're in the, because also the tram depot as it stands was a quite a more derelict environment at, at that time. Mm. There was a few other businesses there, but in reality, we kind of were the tipping point of gentrification of that of the tram depot which you know for those who don't know it's like a a small kind of um conglomerate of industrial warehouses with businesses like metal workers retouchers photography studios carpenters you know it's quite artisan is that sunday um, rose place nice i saw that today it's 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 okay yeah yeah it's good i mean it's um I've never really eaten there, to be honest with you. I walked past today yeah. and the, what's it called? The col- country... Clapton Country Club. Right. Yeah. I mean, it looks like a nice building from the outside. Yeah, it's, 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 it's definitely worth, worth trying. Um, Do you have cafes down there now as well? There's a, there's a cafe at the end as well. Okay. Which is owned by the same guy, who, Terry, who owns Clapton Country Club. Okay, okay. So, yeah, you know, he's, he's created some a, a really... I know he also does weddings there. So, you know, a lot of people know that place wow, nice. now. But... My point is, we opened, we went out on a limb there. Mm. It's a very residential area. No one works around there. But actually, we're incredibly busy because a lot of people live there who want to go to the gym and there's no gym. So they tend to come to us before they go to work. Yeah. Whereas in Shoreditch, they, they tend to come in, travel from home to the, you know, to the gym, then go to work afterwards. Yeah. Um, you know, they do that journey into work first and then pop to the gym, then go to work. Yeah. So it's important that we're our location's very important there to get the numbers through the door. But yeah, I don't, I think, I don't think we'd open in a residential area like Clapton again. Mm. I think we'd always stick to being near train stations and kind of transport hubs. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, Clapton, I think, I don't know if it was always like this, but I don't feel like Clapton isn't well connected anyway. No, it's, you know, all, even it's, it's all right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously, the overground's probably the biggest and best way to get there. But, like, yeah. I mean, the two times I've... In the last three days, I've been twice there. It's quite funny. Yeah. Um, obviously, Shoreditch is way more convenient. But I do love... I'd said this to you before. Like, I, there's something about the Clapton site that I just love. Yeah. And I just feel... 
it's like the mothership, right? Really. Well, yeah, it is. And we've just redone, um, we've just made our new offices there, our headquarters, you know, so we've invested in that as a base. Yeah, that's super cool. Um, and it does feel... We're there to stay. Yeah, we're there to stay. And it, and it feels really kind of relaxing being there. And, yeah, it, 100%. But, but that's because it's a heritage site, in effect. I mean, it should be listed by all rights, but it's not. Mm. But, you know, you've got the original pillars, the original Victorian concrete floor, you've got the brick walls, you know, it's very sort of there's something very homely about it and the colours and the textures, you know, make you feel like quite, quite relaxed, I feel. Mm. So. Yeah, no, it is. I love, I love that site. I keep thinking, oh God, okay, I'm going to make that class. I can't remember what I did on Friday. I did block strength with Corinne mm. on Friday mm. and I think it was like a 10 a.m. class. And um, it's funny, actually, I met Kenny for the first time oh, on yeah. Friday. I've had, a, uh, I've had a great week of firsts. I met <laughs> Kenny for the first time. Obviously, I met Declan today. Uh, the new guys, Mark and Bianca. Yeah. Bianca, the bar teacher. Both amazing and lovely. And it's funny because, you know, I've always thought Block's so amazing at hiring. I've said that since day one. Like, the first mm. time I went to Block, it must have been... You've been open three years? Yes. Sound about right? Yes. Um, yeah, the first time three years ago, I was like, wow, God, they just get it right. The reception are nice. Mm. Even the cleaners are nice. You know yeah. what I mean? Like at Shoreditch, like, the cleaners recognize me and I'm like, hi. Because <laughs> <laughs> I sweet. always feel like I take the longest to get ready. So uh -huh, I'm always yeah. there when they're trying to clean up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, of course, you know, the teachers themselves are just these mad empowering icons in their yeah. own unique way. Yeah. And I don't really know if you can compare, you know, the boxers to each other and the bar teachers to each other because... They each have such a unique style mm. to their class that it's very different. Like, I don't really see so much... I mean, maybe there is competition, of course, like with any anything in life and in any industry. I just have never felt that. And it's funny, though. Caleb, um, Kenny said something to me really funny the other day. He's like, oh, yeah, you're a Caleb fan. And I went, no, 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 no. I'm a Block fan. Mm. I said, different. I said, I like... I try everything and everybody here. It just so happens that, you know, most of the time his times work really well with my schedule. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was a funny guy. He texted me on uh, Instagram and was like, so when, if, when is Kenny's going to hate me for airing him out on this? Sorry, yeah. Kenny. Um, he was like, when are, when are we going to do a block event together? Because I told him, obviously, I'm doing the block events and stuff. Yeah. Um, which is so amazing, you know, because I've had so many of the trainers that I train with and stuff now turn around to me and go, well, can we do a Model Me event? Like, when are we going to do that? And I'm like, oh, wow, you guys want to do an event with me? Like, because of me, I'm just little old me, you know, like who's creating something that's not little or old in any shape, way or form yeah. in an industry that needs it more than ever. So yeah. it's really amazing, though, when you get support from people who aren't necessarily in the fashion world yeah. either, you know, but they see the pain, they mm. see the problems because mm. they train not just models, but creatives all the time. And mm. they're probably friends with so many of them and they see mm. the the issue and the problems there. So one question, actually, I mean, we spoke about this before. Um, what what do you think about in terms of like, I know that when we had our first meeting about me wanting to do block events, yeah. you said creatives need fitness in their life, really, because it massively, um, you know, in, it can improve how they are as a creative. Well, I think, I think that fitness just improves anyone general and anyone as a, as a person. Mm. Because it, it it you know it means that you're working on quite core things like your willpower, yeah. your ability to push yourself, yeah. And you know the sheer fact that you're working out gives you endorphins, which give you you know give you a sort of a 
you know, a positive outlook after you've worked out. Mm -hmm. um, but for creatives, I think it, it's really vital because as a creative, whether you work on your own or with a team, it's a very um, kind of self-involved, quite a kind of, um, it can be quite a tangled business mm -hmm. trying to solve a creative problem or trying to deal with, um, you know, pushing yourself to do something original or different. Um, and just the sheer workload that yeah. creatives are under because it's a very, very competitive business, incredibly competitive business, mm. means that if you suddenly stop what you're doing and go and do a fitness class or go for a run, you know, for example, but let's say you go and do a class, um, you're suddenly out of your normal environment, you're with a whole new sort of range of people, and you're pushing yourself and pushing your willpower and, and getting something from within yourself, which will just take your mind off whatever is kind of whatever you're involved in. And you come back fresh and you can solve a problem. Mm. And that's what I've always found. Mm. So if ever I'm struggling to get something done, I'll go for a run, you know, or I'll go and do a class. So I do think exercise is key to that. I mean, a lot of people find yoga and meditation very useful as well. Yeah. Um, and a lot of creatives, particularly like one of my favorites, David Lynch, the film director, is into transcendental meditation. So he, oh, he, you know, in an extreme sense, he is someone who's looking for an idea a lot of the time. And yeah. you know, trying to find an idea if you're, a, you know, any kind of you know dedicated artist can be difficult um, and can be a bit like fumbling around in the dark, mm. you know, or like fishing you know, with a hook in the water, trying to catch something that may or may not be there. Yeah. So anything you can do to sort of change your environment to trigger a new idea, I think is useful. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What are your favourite classes? Do you have favourites? Um, I love BoxCon. Right. I love BlockFit. That's fit. such a killer. I yeah. love BlockFit too. Yeah. They're both two of my favourites as well, I yeah. would say. And I like Cardio Killer and BlockFlex. Haven't done Cardio Killer yet. Yeah. I need to do that. And I love HIT as well. So I like all the high intensity ones, but I also love doing yoga. But I never, I don't do enough of it because whenever I do a class, I always run to the, the high intensity. And I, I love block strength as well. And I've started yeah, doing weight. I've started going doing weight training, um, heavyweight training, uh, not a block because we don't have that kit as well. And I'm getting quite into that too. Oh, cool, nice. Yeah, yeah I, I recently most of the people is funny. Like I just get so hooked on like. I don't really watch, um, I'm very conscious on who I watch on my social media now. Yeah. So I literally do not scroll on my feed. Like that does not happen. That that function in my thumb is not a thing. Like yeah. I, I, and I only ever notice that when I see other people do it. Mm. If I'm with them or if I'm at work and I see people on the phone, I'm like, I don't do that. And I'm really grateful for that. I'm really glad that I don't. Mm. But it's because... I remember like I became very conscious of how I was using my social media a few months ago and you know if I'm spending too much time on it and what time that is spent on it and obviously because from a business perspective you know that is kind of one of the main ways I communicate with everybody um, for model me yeah I mean we have an email uh, database too but what you find is I don't know if it's just like this generation that we live in now but people like they get the email, they want to be on the mail list, they send them to me, and yet they just don't check the email. So yeah. I go on Instagram and I'm like, hey, did you get the email? And they're like, oh, I know, I didn't check, but I want to come to your event. One girl mm -hmm. said to me today, yeah, I'm coming to my event on the, the next event we're doing, right? And I said, okay, cool, did you book your ticket? Because she's not on my list. Mm -hmm. And she went, no. And I was like, 
what? Like, how? You can't just turn up. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's funny because sometimes I think people, um, I think they just forget that, like, how businesses work. <laughs> and it was quite funny people, because... Well, no, no one reads anything anymore. Right. So I mean, literally, when I say no one reads anything, like, I've got to the point where when we construct a mailer, I feel like just stripping out everything other than two sentences. Oh, wow. Interesting. Because, because no one reads anything anymore. That's so they look at pictures. I don't know whether we're, I don't know whether we're descending into some kind of like slightly uh, sort of retrograde society where people are losing that function to concentrate. But mm. like I do believe that people struggle to read beyond a paragraph before flicking on something else. Yeah, it's uh... well, it's actually it's actually yeah, it's a condition really that, that of the modern world, you know? mm. and it's to do with social media and it's to do with the you know the, the amount of information we've got. Which is why it's vital to read books if you can. Yeah, find me the too. Time, you know, I do that because it, it builds that sort of focus and concentration. I actually kind of, you know, looking at, you know, reading, mm. you know, a chapter. It's it's uh, it's a commitment, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Are you reading something now? I, I've well, I, I wish I, I just dip into all, into books I've read about four or five times. Generally. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I'm reading the the Idiot by Dostoevsky again because I love it. And I'm reading Empire of the Sun by J.G. Ballard. But I've read both of them a couple of times, but okay, years ago, yes. you know. So, yeah, I just kind of dip in, dip in and out. I'm, well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, 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 not the, I'm not the best reader um, myself, actually. I just tend to kind of read a little bit and fall asleep, you know. I'm the actual opposite mm. because I was, a, my mum used to call me a bookworm. And I was like, I used to do this hilarious thing where I used to wake up in the morning I'd get up earlier than I needed to, especially high school. I remember being in my, um, I went to high school in Nantwich to buy mm. these. And I used to wear this, like we had a blazer, shirt, tie, and a skirt and tights. Mm. So it was proper like formal high school uniform. Yeah. Just to get up an hour earlier than I needed to. This was when I was like 11, 12. When I got to like, you know, 15, I got up 10 minutes before we needed to leave. And I'd sit up and I'd wake, I'd, I'd read in my bed fully clothed for like an hour and a half before mm. school. And my mum would be come in, try and check if I was awake and I'd be there. I'd just be reading in my bed. It was so strange. But I'm actually so grateful for that. Um, you know, I used to love reading. I was so obsessed with it when I was younger. And I'm so grateful for that because I think it's massively implemented this in me now. That Like now I'm not currently reading anything and I'm a, I feel a bit like uninspired in some respects and, oh. I'm, and I'm but I'm just waiting for the right book to come people keep telling me lately to read the book why we sleep right I don't read I don't sleep very much of course so I think that's why people keep telling me but that's meant to be amazing apparently like makes you actually want to go to bed I mean not in a not in a not in a sleepy way I don't want to read this book more like because you're like oh crap loads of stuff really happens when you, I yeah but, but I hear that all the time you know you should get eight hours sleep a night and I just don't understand how it's, how it's actually possible yeah. To do that. I'd, yeah. have to, I'd have to go to bed at, um, at about eight o'clock, eight o'clock at night to get eight hours sleep. Cause I'm always up. Yeah. I can't get, I, I'm, I'm not, I can't really sleep beyond half, half four, five. Oh, in know. the morning? Not really. No. Wow. That's no, so I interesting. I always wake up really early. Oh, so you'd have to go to bed really early. Ridiculously so. Yeah. Like yeah. you'd be going to bed basically now. It's 8.15. Exactly. I'd be like, stop the podcast. I have to go to bed. I hours. Yeah. wow okay that's interesting um one thing i i was the when you build a gym you know like how did you envision that like what's the focus like were you just like okay we're just going to make it look like this and we're going to hope for this so like how do you like how do you plan that is it was it like okay we have to make sure there's a community focus to it or is it just an accident that block is such a a community focused gym especially the captain site you know 
No, I mean, when with Clapton, we we literally we didn't know what we were doing, and we and we made it up as we went along. <laughs> so you know, we divided the space up by just walking around it and saying, "Well, I think this would be about the right size." Oh my god! For that wow. Room. And we had a designer's floor plan, you know. But as soon as we kind of worked out what we wanted to do, we did start working with an interior design team um, called Daytrip, um, who helped us with Clapton on, you know, just giving us input onto, you know, wall finishings, um, architecture details, you know, tables, you know, the materials. We needed that experience mm. um, to kind of, you know, help us develop our vision and. In the end, you know, the complete finished space was a kind of combination of, which came from Ed's knowledge of building residential projects, my knowledge of kind of art and sort of design spaces mm -hmm. um, and installations and day trips kind of, you know, their, their, their design skill as interior designers. You know, and their ability to work with materials and solve problems in a very elegant way, particularly, you know, the, the movement of people around the space. You, know, you have to consider that quite carefully. You know, yeah. Because it's heavy traffic areas, and just the durability of everything, and how you know how it's going to last in that kind of very very demanding environment. But when it came to Shoreditch, we 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 did it very differently. We we met with um, day trip with designers again and. Fabio, our lighting designer, whose company is called There's Light, and we worked out from the start. You know, we had a vision of what we what it would look uh, like. We had a vision of what we wanted in terms of the functionality of the space, mm -hmm. and then they came back with some really clear ideas, and we designed it. It's a very difficult space shortage because it's a very long, thin space. Mm. And it's shaped a bit like a blade, and it's on multiple levels. So it was actually it, we we very nearly didn't take the space on. Wow. Because we thought it was too hard yeah. to make it work, and um, for it to, to, but actually having that restraint of working within a very odd shape is what gives it its quality. Yeah. So that's why we've got that sculptural staircase because it's it's an insertion into space. Yeah. It's a sculptural block. It's a sculptural shape that is inserted within space, um, and likewise, you know, all those difficult to navigate areas design-wise actually become features because you find a creative way around it. But that, you know, we very much kind of let those guys sort of do the basic problem solving and, mm. and actually made a, they made a physical model of the building as well. Oh, wow. So that we could look and see, okay, this is where the cafe will go. Okay, it needs a bit more space here. That, that corridor needs to be wider. So, you know, you get your plans. Yeah. But then that's only the start because when it, you know, the thing that, the thing that throws turns everything on its head with any commercial space is where the air conditioning duct's going to go, where's the water pipe's going to go. Oh, that, wow. that, that then becomes the second layer of the puzzle to try and negotiate those routes. Okay, wow. Um, so it is a very pragmatic kind of approach that's based on a, it needs to have a really clear design vision to start with because you, you cannot be sort of adding things on as you go along. Mm. It just doesn't work like that. So I had no idea until, I'm not kidding, about two weeks ago that yeah. Shoreditch was a long site. Yeah. I've always had it in my head that you turn a corner. Uh-huh. And that's what the staircase does. All my all the whole time I've been coming to Shoreditch, I've always thought that the you know the entrance with the cafe is one side and then you turn the building and that's the next side. 
And only when I thought some, I thought consciously about it as I walked in the other day because I came in from the, you know, the black sheep Amazon yeah. way, and I was walking, and I was like, hold up a minute, <laughs> I had this chat with myself, and I was like, the boxing gym is there, and then I kind of looked up and was like, is that the yoga? Is that bar studio? Wait, and then there's the entrance, and I literally was like, I don't understand, and I walked in and I, I asked whoever was working on reception, I was like this is one long building, isn't it? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, wow. And I was so perplexed. And even now I'm boggled by the idea of it. I yeah. just don't get it because the shape doesn't feel that way. You know, it does not feel like it's one long shape at all. It feels like it has all of these like shapes and, you know, ways that you go up the stairs and you go down. And maybe yeah. because it's on so many levels, you know, it gives that perception that you're not just on one long. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's, it's not that it's on... It was three units that was kind of that forms one shape. Okay. And then there's an access ramp in the building on the sort of right hand side. And the mm. access ramp's underground, but it results in a kind of terraced effect that runs across all three units. So the female change rooms is at the highest point, and the boxing studio is at the lowest point. Okay. And then the male change rooms is one step down. So we had to sort of resolve all of the levels with steel decking and build new floors in order to get everything working with minimal sort of um, with minimal height changings because you don't want people going up and down stairs all the time right. you want to minimise the amount of steps in mm. any building otherwise it's, it gets very ugly so yeah it was a tricky design Wow. And, and to build it and to be involved in that project was, was yeah challenging to say the least but it's, it's great now and it's paid off right? Yeah, totally. Well, sure, I mean, it's a killer. Sound. Yeah, it works. It works beautifully, and it will do for, for forever mm. as long as it's there. No one's ever going to look at that and think that design's dated. Never. Yeah, 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 agreed. And 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 it's and it's holding up as well. Um, you know, it's not it's it's not kind of showing signs of wear and tear after a year. Yeah. Wow. Which Can't we, believe it's only been a year. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. <laughs> well, it's a bit more now. It's getting on for like over a year, but but yeah, you know, it's 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 now becoming a sort of you know, a complete site. And it does take time for a site to, to develop, you know, mm. initially it, it takes time to get your regulars through, yeah. you know, and it takes time to sort of build a community. We've got it in um, Clapton and we've Hugely had it for a long so. time. Hugely so. Yeah, Clapton's a really strong community. Shoreditch, we're still getting there. Yeah. You know, it's a very different, different sort of uh, it's crowd different vibe as well. though, isn't it, as well? Yeah, like, it's, it's a lot, very work. Yeah, a lot more transient, people come and go, mm. you know, but we've got, we're getting regulars now, members, which is the main thing. Yeah, that's, that's important. Gosh, so how do you even like? How do you think Manchester will will be like? What's been the easiest project to build? The easiest gym? Well, um, neither. Well, none of them. <laughs> I mean, arguably Manchester's been the easiest so far. Just because it's your third one, right? Because it's the third one, and because um, we're you know we're not physically involved. We're not physically having to be involved day to day in the aspects of the build. Okay, wow. Whereas we were in Shoreditch, and that mm. took us away from every other every other detail of the business. Yeah. You know, wow. So it was really important that we were involved in that. But Manchester, you know, we, that's been project managed by someone else. So it's, it's and it's nice though that you can have that because it is in a totally different city. And even though, yeah. of course, you can get there, it it would imagine if you'd had to spend so much time in the Manchester building and essentially moved there for yeah. the period of time it took to build. You know, I mean, I suppose that would just puts a lot of trust and. Um, I mean, pressure really on the team that you have that runs the rest of the business. Yeah. So it's kind of nice that you've got, been able to put that on a different, you know, on a project managing point yeah, of view. Yeah, completely, yeah. Wow. Well, there's so much to do in London, you know. Yeah, wow. So what what else is planned? Do you know? Have you got ideas? 
Nothing confirmed yet, but we are looking at other London sites. Other London sites. Other London sites. By yeah. next year, end of this year, or we we'd, we'd hope for another one by this time next year. Okay, wow. But that is dependent on discussions that we're having now. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, you know, because it's so key to you know the relationship where we're you know the relationship with the developers of the site. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a new. It'll be a new site. And it's got to be right. So we don't really enter any any deal unless we know it's one hundred percent. Okay, nice. And we're gonna we're gonna not dilute our brand by doing something compromised. Yeah, nice. That's we'd, good. We'd rather I love not. That. We'd rather not. You know, there's no. You know, because it, it's a big deal opening a new site, and it has to be it has to be right. Yeah, it has to match your brand. Yeah. in as many ways as it can, right? Yeah, we just don't want to expand for the sake of it. Yeah, there's no point. Um, no. I like that. That's good. No. Did you ever think Block would be where it is now? Did you? Did you ever? Did you have that conversation? Um, I would never have imagined it if, you know, when we first started. Right. But my partner's quite expansionist in Outlook. He right. likes the idea of, of growing fast and becoming global, you right. know. And I've kind of always been the one to sort of put the reins on it a little bit and say, no, we've got to perfect what we've got here. Oh, really? Wow. But, you know, between the two of us, we're sort of moving forward in the right at the right speed, I think. What would you say as a creative, you're a visionaire as well, though? A visionaire. Yeah, just because you're a creative, right? I find that most creative people I meet have such big visions for things because they, they can imagine it in different ways to someone that's perhaps not so creative. Yeah, for sure. But it's it's also about levels of detail. So okay, wow. you know, you can go into you could have I could I could have one site and just perfect every detail of it mm. and keep working and on it and working perfect. on it, you know? Yeah. Um but that can be a little bit that can end up being pointless. Yeah. Because in the end no one sees the details other than you. And that's my main kind of my main issue generally is that I tend to be so detailed orientated that I can lose sight of the bigger picture. Oh, but wow. that's why um, that's it why helps I, being with him then because yeah, yeah. he's the big, big, big picture guy in your. Oh, there. he's massively so. Yeah, it's wow. hugely about that. So, so yeah, you know, it's um, it's a good combination. So global's on the cards. Um, very interested in Berlin. Very interested in LA. In Berlin, wow, yeah. nice. I'd, I'd like like be keen to go to New York as well. So, so Amer- America would be really, really great, I think. Well, I think, I think yeah. We'd do, I think we'd do well over there. Oh, I, yeah, I think that's yeah. a given, you know, yeah. that you would do very well in LA and New York. I mean, yeah. there's some places you'd do well in America. Plus the fact that it's a British brand too. Yeah. Americans would just go bonkers over. Yeah, exactly. I also think somewhere like Toronto. Potentially, yeah. I mean, I hadn't, I mean, I don't really know anything about Toronto and the fitness scene, but mm. just from what I've heard and people that I know f- who've lived there, etc. um, that kind of thing. Berlin's interesting. Yeah, I like the Germans. I like Berlin, you know. Yeah. I wouldn't be interested in it, particularly in opening in France or Spain or anywhere. Mm. Um, or, you know, any, anywhere. It's Italy. Yeah. Because it'd just be impossible to get anything done. Um, <laughs> you know, and you'd have so many obstacles culturally to, to doing business the way you wanted to. Yeah. You know, as an English brand there, that it just wouldn't be worth it. Wow, that's so interesting, isn't it? Yeah, that's just my gut feeling. But I suspect it's, it's you know, unless you were backed by a very big investor who was prepared to kind of deal with... The, Chance it as deal, well. ...deal with the logistics and take the risk. Mm, interesting. Um, also, um, Holland would be great. Amsterdam. Yeah, yeah, actually. And yeah. the weather is quite alike here yeah. in Germany and Holland, and I can imagine that that makes a difference. Yes. In um, Scandinavia as well. Yeah, I was about to say yeah. Sweden. Yeah, that would be interesting. Stockholm would be Stockholm great. Would be Denmark. great. And, any of those... and very suited to your brand. Yes. Yeah. Which is obviously quite important. 
Denmark yeah. too. Wow, my gosh. Oh, I can like see block in these countries. It's quite <laughs> funny. Yeah. The one thing I will say about Berlin as well is, I mean, um, that's kind of something, that's quite cool that you said that first because, you know, when I went there, I, I don't know if I told you about this actually. When I went there, I tried, they only have like one gym that's like something, mm. you know, in that same category, let's say as block. Mm. Everything else is pretty much membership based. So when I went there, obviously fitness is like, ultimate part of my life now that I plan everything else around it yeah and because I love doing classes so much and I find so much more in so many different ways in the class I find that I turn off mentally much more in a or should I say turn tune in whichever mm. you look at it um in a class than I ever did working out on my own and mm. I, I know how to work out on my own like I could go and do a, a good weight session and a good hit session completely on my own because of like past experience just with personal trainers but mm. I much prefer and I find I get much more benefits from being in a class and I'm held more accountable by going to a gym location like you know the receptionists all know I'm there all the time and I know that if I wouldn't go for that but where have you been like it's mm. that that rings in my head that subconsciously you know people might say that's unhealthy but actually for me it's very healthy because it keeps me very accountable to actually what I'm actually trying to achieve with my own yeah. personal goals yeah um and what I really you know was interested in Berlin I was like okay well let's see like because I actually just got signed with an agency in Germany so mm. I'm signed in like um Berlin, Munich and Hamburg is, and also Milan. But I went to go see agencies there. And of course, you know, I'm thinking, oh, actually, yeah, I could live here for a bit. I could do this, spend a couple of months here. But of course, because fitness is so important, I'm thinking, well, where would I train? Yeah. So there's a gym called B-Cycle there, uh, which I don't know if you've heard of or seen. It started as a spinning studio, um, yeah. but now they've got a, like a bar studio too. Okay. So I went to their bar class, which was an, an hour, and it was mixed between like bar pilates and yoga actually which they didn't say that in the prep you know before the class mm. it was very much like this will be a bar class but the teacher obviously that was kind of her background she did pilates bar and yoga yeah um and you know if you compare it to something like elia's then like there isn't really much competition because elia is a firecracker and kind of is a standalone in her own ways i feel yeah. as a bar teacher but when it comes to other bar classes that I've done in general, like it block or not a block, um, it was a good class and the space is beautiful. You go inside and it's like a, it's a shop first actually. Yeah. And there's a desk kind of at the back and then there's like a cafe attached to it too, who I met their owner of as well. And she's a really, she's got like a really good kind of um, vision of what she wants it to be in Berlin mm -hmm. because and then when I met the owner of B-Cycle herself, she was like, no one's doing this here. She was like, it's actually been really hard for us because people aren't used to coming and paying for a class. They're so used to paying for a gym membership. But she did tell me that ClassPass now is going to Germany. I'm just about to open there. Yeah, so I mean, class-based fitness is still a relatively new business. Right. Um, it's, it's very evolved now in London. It has been for a while, obviously mm. in New York as well and LA. Um, Manchester is relatively new. Yeah. So class passes in Manchester. Um, you know, it, it, again, it's the, you know, having class pass, knowing class passes in Manchester is reassuring. And it helps, yeah. It helps a lot because it gives you an immediate, you know, while you don't want, it can be a bit parasitic in the sense that, you know, if your gym is completely dependent on class pass or swamping class pass all the time, mm. you know, it's very hard to build like a loyal membership because class, it's got, a, you know, class pass clients are great, but they can have a very 
you know, they very much think like consumers. Mm. They drift from one to another. So it's hard to build a community. Yeah, they're but, not very loyal. But, you know, if you imagine like throwing, you know, throwing a load of, you know, a load of pasta at a wall and some of it peels off, some of it sticks. That's a funny analogy, actually. But <laughs> yeah, I like weird. that. But, you know, it's... The same as when you go it, tissue paper. It's like a scattergun approach. Like, literally, you know, you, your gym gets full of class paths and then, you know, it strips away and you're left with, you know, people who think, oh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll come to block and, you know, I'll make up my Quit the other ones. But, you know, it gives you, it gives you that, um, it, you know, it gave us... In both cases, with Clapton and Shoreditch, it gave us that initial sort of influx of people, mm. um, which, you know, works well. So, yeah, it, it, the fact that it's there in Berlin is good. Um, but any studio starting out in a place in a new sort of territory has got to have a good kind of year and a half's worth of money mm. or years worth of money to survive Yeah, to keep going. Um, or you've got to keep your operation cost to an absolute minimum. And most fitness studios are like that. Yeah, They'll be run by someone who teaches the classes, who just lives and breathes it, which is great. You yeah. know? I love that. And, you know... I, I really see the appeal in that as a business. Yeah. Um, equally, it's not the way we do it, you know. Mm. Um, we're, we're, we're too, we, we, we deal, you know, the quantities of people we deal with now and the amount of um, kind of the way the brand's growing, you know. I used to be a lot more involved with all the details of running the business. Right. Interviewing instructors. Oh, you know, wow. You know, kind of reviewing classes, attending classes, talking to instructors. And I do, I do do a lot less of that now because... There simply isn't the time, but we've yeah. got we've got you know a team that is doing a great job of that. Yeah, so that's for sure. the main thing. So so yeah, I, and you but, hired that team, right? So yeah. they really kind of have the vision from you yeah, in place. And, and a lot of people come internally. You know, they'll be mm. receptionists or instructors, and then they end up becoming part of the office team. And I love that. You know, yeah. that you allow the space for them to grow. Yeah. as well I think that's a really really amazing business structure in itself you know yeah there's, there's a lot to be said for people you know working with people who, who already know the brand and, mm. and are part of it you know that's true I like that yeah. so you'd like to try and hire in-house if you can we'll always try right um, but equally you know sometimes the need is just higher yeah I mean obviously if you're hiring someone for finance it's quite hard to find that person in-house right um, so I'd say that you know, half our team have been hired in-house. Oh, wow. And Hannah, who, um, you know, is now sort of manager of all the yoga across block. Oh, I did her class for the first time two weeks ago. Yeah. Amazing woman. She's amazing. And she, I originally met Hannah um, at the boxing gym I used to go to where she did a yoga for boxers class. Oh, wow. And she, we actually, so I said, come and work for us at block and teach all the, you know, teach the yoga classes, recruit yoga instructors. And she's been with us ever since. And she's great. So she's built the entire yoga you know, the, the entire yoga offering, the roster of teachers, you mm. know, design the timetable. She's done it, done all of that. Wow. From, you know, from the start. Um, the other person who helped us a lot from the start was Andrew Clark. Um, oh, yeah, Andrew. Yeah, he's so, a trainer. Exactly. So Andrew, Great guy. Great, he's amazing. So he's I'm, an absolute machine, though. Absolutely, You yeah. have to really mentally and physically prepare yourself for a class of yeah. <laughs> He's like a, a diehard original, um, you know, class teacher. Wow. And he, te I mean, he teach he and Kareen, he's like Kareen as well. They just teach animals all class classes all day, every day, all the time. They have done for a long, long time, particularly Andrew. Um, but he kind of helps us recruit all of our initial runner fitness instructors. Um, so you know, it, it, this is how it started. We just knew people said we need to we need to recruit, you know, mm. and we built it. You know, we built it 
in quite a kind of, um, you know, we just built it on instinct. Basically, mm. we did everything on instinct. We did it. We did it. We did everything as a joint decision, um, and that's how we got. That's how we built like a strong brand because it was yeah. a reflection of our kind of work and passion, and just our, you know, what we bought from our previous businesses as well. Yeah. Well, businesses we both still do. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it kind of combines. Exactly. It's nice, and it must be cool to have someone like Elia get class best teacher of the year, right? When she yeah. is primarily, you know, with Block. Like, it's, yeah, it's, super cool. Yeah. I love stuff like that that happens with Block. Yeah, it's great, and and actually, you know, one thing I'll say about class best, that's a real accolade because that's a very, you know, their very their reviewing system is their whole business is based on reviews, mm. and. You know, for her to win that means that she gen- generally, genuinely is has, the best. Yeah. yeah, has 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 really affected a lot of people. Mm. You know, and kind of made an impression on them. Yeah. Um, because and there's nothing yeah, there's quite no... like her. It's insane. Actually. Yeah. yeah. I'll never forget. Which I mean, it will stay with me forever. I think there are certain things that people say to you that just stick with you. And I think I've been coming to her class for about seven weeks at this point, mm. and only like once a week. I didn't do bar more than once a week then. Now I try and do it twice because I just love it. But um, I started doing Kareen's too, which is just a different ball game as well. Mm-hmm. And Kareen, um, Elia said to me, I just have to tell you, this at the end of the class, I just have to tell you how proud of you I am. Um, and I was like, what? And she said, your posture is completely different. I would never know now looking at you, because I have scoliosis. Yeah. And she said, I would never know now looking at you that you have scoliosis with the way that you do the workout. Mm. And I was like, oh my God, because, you know, when I got scoliosis when I was 16, I mean, it kind of explained why I'd had so much pain as a teenager. Yeah. Um, we always thought it was from a growth spurt. Mm. So that was kind of a relief. But then, you know, as I, and I stopped exercising at 16, I did trampoline and netball, like, yeah. you know, three times a week, whatever, at high school, like every kid does. Mm. But I stopped training for years and years and years. And then I would go to the gym when I was like 19 with my, you know, uni mates. Mm. I had no idea what I was doing. And because I didn't know, it hurt more. Mm. So I remember then when I was 21 and I started nutritionally changing my diet and that basically saved my life, which I didn't know would happen because I started sleeping better after never sleeping properly for about 10 years. And ran a half marathon just because I was kind of a bit like, screw you to all the doctors that told me I'd never run. Yeah. And what's so interesting is that my posture and how I looked never bothered me until I became a model. And then I became a model and the first ever shoot that I did for a big, big company, like I won't name it, um, like a big econ brand, um, they said to me, the stylist on set was unwreck and she was putting clothes on me and they were woolly jumpers, so they were not like fitted clothes. Mm. She said to me, are you wonky? Like, why aren't you standing straight? And I'd only been a model for like four months Mm. and this was one of my, you know, the first biggest money jobs that I'd kind of had as a Mm. model. And I couldn't quite grasp the concept that I was getting paid this much for a day for Mm. unrecognizable shots of my back. Do you know what I mean? Like I didn't get it, but it stayed with me forever because it like affected me subconsciously in a way that I didn't realize. And I think what that did for me is I became so conscious of my posture. Mm. Now no one ever knows I've got scoliosis unless I tell them, Mm. you know, at the beginning of every class, I'm making sure they know. And they're like, Oh, didn't even see it in you. Unless I'm doing like a, you know, a press up or something where your, your back will kind of collapse or be different. Yeah. So with, bar I never knew that it would change my posture I had no yeah. idea and I wish someone had said to me you know when I was 16 you should do bar you know or you should yeah. do just training in general no one said to me all the doctors were more scared of fitness and I think mm. it reminds me of what you said before you know if you'd asked you know someone 25 10 years ago if fitness would be such an important part of their life then 
compared to the 25 year olds now like myself yeah i think it's the same thing you know like if you met someone a doctor now and their opinion on scoliosis and if you should train or not i'd like to think it would be different anyway mm. because with me it was it was never something i started to do bar four but now i'm like okay bar is an important part of not just my health fitness all that you know whatever i do fitness for mm. but actually for my future and my scoliosis because mm. you just never know how that's going to affect you in the future you know mm-hmm. So I love, I love her for that too. And we've even had a conversation about, you know, how, you know, being women, not just in the fitness industry, but generally in the world that are so um, okay with bigging up other women, like it's actually still quite rare to come across, I find. And with Elia, I'm always like, yeah, I'm not such a fan. I love you. And for her to say that to me too is a big thing because I haven't met many trainers, you know, that have done that. With, but with Block, I find mm. that I get quite a personal you know, approach with people. And I wouldn't say that's just because of how I am. I see they're doing with other people too. So I do think, you know, I have to commend you for your hiring. I think it's amazing to have like such a strong team that now it's implemented, you know, going forward. Like you don't do the hiring anymore, but they do the hiring and it's still amazing. You know? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're lucky, you know. Um, we've always been lucky. I feel like we've actually been lucky with, with initially with the people with the people who were attracted to block mm. we kind of created the right chemistry initially yeah. and then it kind of it meant that people you know certain people get drawn to the brand mm. um and certain people say oh, i want to work for block and, and it tend we tend to sort of well originally we just would have a conversation with someone and if we like them and then we we like their class then we'd employ them you know yeah. it's as simple as that but we, we you know we knew if we liked someone that they were they were right. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. There's a lot of people we spoke to who we just felt like they're, they're too... There's a lot of very kind of generic fitness trainers out there, you know, and when it, which is, you know, and a lot of people are PTs, but when it comes to teaching a class, it's it does require a certain kind of charisma. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It, it and a certain sort of um, way of kind of projecting oneself that, that means that it's not for everyone. And mm. actually a lot of people who teach have got an acting background as well. Yeah. And have retrained in fitness or they also do musical theater or some other kind of performance related profession. Mm. Um, not all of them. I mean, you know, it's, it's incredible the diverse range that, that you have. Some people have been accountants before and then they've just decided they've had enough of it. Yeah. They just want to trainers. do something they want to do. And you know what? Well, I mean, it's a, it's a nice lifestyle. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're training people all the time. You're seeing people improve. That, you know, that's rewarding teaching. Mm. You know, I've never really seen the appeal in being a teacher, in, in like being a, in the education system as a teacher, for example. Right. Because I would think like, why on earth would I want to teach most kids? <laughs> you know, because like, they don't really want, you know, they're just there. They don't necessarily want to be taught. It's a very, very hard, that's a hard profession to maintain a passion for. But with fitness, people are there because they want to get fit. And, yeah, yeah, and they yeah. want to they want to develop themselves. Well, most people are. I mean, I think some people there are some people who just go for the sake of it, and you know that's maybe tougher to try and motivate them. Right. But a good instructor will kind of bring everyone up, and and will de- you know everyone will will sort of develop with them, and they get a lot from it. And mm. They train themselves, and I think it's a really nice lifestyle. Yeah. It, well, it looks sure. like it anyway. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. does. It looks like they have a lot of fun, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's good. good. It's Definitely. funny, people keep mistaking me for a trainer lately. Oh, really? And I'm like, no, I'm uh-huh. not. Like, what? And it, I don't know. It's funny. I got offered the chance to train 
in it last year, but I had nowhere near of an interest than what I do now. Yeah. And if someone asked me now, I don't know, it would be a different story. I don't have the time though, honestly. I don't know where I'd find the time. I'd need another human body to yeah. train in that. So I love the con I love the idea of it, but it doesn't mean I should do it, you know? No. Which is quite important. Um what about competition? We obviously I know we mentioned this before the podcast started, but do you see yourselves as because for me, I personally, as a, a consumer, let's say, um, I don't compare blocks to anywhere no. because I don't feel like I can. Are you? Do you feel the same? Yeah, we've never, re- you know, it's, it's amazing how little we're kind of aware of the competition. Right. Having said that, you know, there's a handful of other class-based gyms um, that, you know, one rebel, another space, cycle, frame. You know, we're in the same market as them. Right. You know, our customers go there, vice versa. Mm-hmm. So there is quite a you know heavy competitive landscape, particularly in Shoreditch. Um, so, but what we don't do, we don't really kind of look at what they're doing and 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 particularly copy anything. Or I feel like we're quite internally independent mm. as a brand. Yeah. That's not necessarily a great thing. Like actually, I think it is very good to go out there and. and and analyze what other people are doing and come back and learn from it. Yeah. Um, it's just that we're so, we're quite sort of self-contained with what we've got and we've got such a variety of classes and we develop our own classes internally. That yeah. We don't, we don't really sort of, we don't really look outwardly at what's going on that much. Mm. Um, we're very interested in what other, what other brands generally are doing, but we don't sort of examine the fitness landscape a great deal. Yeah. To be honest with you. But it's funny because like, for me, I, I, you know, building Model Me, I've kind of had to do something quite similar in the sense that there isn't really, there's some brands that are doing community-based events, mm. if you look at it like that, but there isn't really anyone quite doing anything the way that I want to. So it's, it's sometimes is quite hard in the sense that I'm like, okay, well, how? But like you, I've had to kind of look outside for the inspiration yeah. and then kind of build from that and be, and that's why Block's been so, like massively inspirational to me in that respect because it's like okay well block has this community in this way how can i be inspired by that and bring that in for model me and i think it's Mm. it's one of those things that you do just have to when you are doing something that is quite different to what other people are doing Mm. like how i mean sure i think having a trendy looking gym is a big deal right now because it's a big part of building a gym now but you know i don't know if was that the same three years ago or was like what you're doing quite different yeah, I feel like we just we've always done it differently, and no one's done it like us. Yeah, exactly. And I don't, I don't quite know how they would. Yeah. Because the, the truth is that the creative sort of vision came very much from me mm. for the brand, but I'm an advertising photographer and an artist. Artist always have been. Yeah. So you know, it, it, to me, it was a very obvious thing. To imprint that upon yeah, the like business. why would you not? Yeah, you exactly. Know, that was a total reflection of my vision. You know, not solely me. Obviously, we've got our designers and my partner involved as well. But there's aspects of it that very, you know, I saw. You know, it's like, well, why would I be doing this if I wasn't going to do it my way? Mm. Um, now, for another brand to get a creative director on board who could, you know, produce the content, work with the design, you know, create the brand like I have would probably cost them like a couple of hundred thousand a year in salary. Mm, wow. You know, to get that level. Um, 
you know, I certainly wouldn't do it for any less if I was working for someone else. <laughs> yeah, damn right. <laughs> so, you know, it comes down to economics, you know. And a lot, most, but the, the unfortunate thing is most of the time in the fitness industry, you know, people have their, uh, have their vision for a gym, but it's often the vision of a, of a trainer rather than someone coming from a sort of, you know, a, a, a sort of more, a more objective viewpoint. Yeah. Now, if you're a restaurateur, if we were a restaurant, we'd find it very hard to differentiate ourselves from any other restaurant because mm. every restaurant's completely aware of design, you know, and interiors. Mm. Um, but most, most fitness spaces really aren't. Yeah. Um, they just don't get it quite right. Yeah. Um, and, and we do, you know. And I, I've not seen anyone else I, who I, in the UK who I feel like it's, that's bang on. Yeah. Um, you know what one, one person said about Well, like Core Collective, actually. That's... that's Core Collective is a beautiful space, actually, you're right. The one in, where is that? Is that, what do you call that area? Um, It's in Kensington. Okay, thanks. I was going to say something else, but I've not been to KXU either, I don't know how that is. KXU, what's that? Um, It's Pilates. uh, It's another class-based sort of uh, fitness space, KXU. I know a girl, actually, that's one of the head cycle trainers at um, Core Collective. Her name's India, she's wonderful. And I've been meaning to go there, actually. Yeah, those those guys have got a a good... And then, obviously, you've got people like... You've got the the bigger gyms, and you've got people like Equinox, Mm. who are, you know, extremely good at what they do, but their aesthetic fits in with that kind of... the language of the global rich, Mm. you know? So everything looks like, you know, the way that it would in a... you know, Dubai, LA, yeah, it's New very, York, yeah, and it's all about luxury. And obviously, you know, if you want to have a great sauna and treatments, you know, you can't, you know, you, it's, you can it, get it's, that. it's an incredible service that, that you'll get there, but it feels a bit, it definitely, to, to me, it, it doesn't, it doesn't quite sort of resonate as being particularly original or different or groundbreaking. Yeah. So, you know, we will strive to be, very groundbreaking with the experience that we offer as time goes on. Yeah. I'd quite like to get into that that higher luxury sphere in the end. Oh, yeah? And do it our own way. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah, I, w- I would. I think that would be that would be really interesting to, to be dealing with that those kind of budgets where you could say, okay, we're going to do a spa. Yeah. We're going to do a pool. Yeah. Um, but that's probably a long way off. But you have yeah. a retreat, no? We've got a retreat, We've yeah. We've got a retreat. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that, and, and that's, that's going to be great. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the retreat, you know, we've just got two, you know, Lottie and Hannah. Lottie's now our fitness manager, Hannah's yoga manager, and, you know, they're running Love the Lottie retreat. Too. And, you know, the fact, we've got a great location in Bordeaux. It's a beautiful, beautiful chateau um, in, a, in a fantastic landscape with those two. It's going to work. Yeah, nice. Um, so, you know, these that's more like an event in a sense. Yeah, 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 of course. But yeah, and that's the other thing, you know, we're, we're, we're just about to do the Balance Festival of course. this year. So we've done a very interesting set design, set and lighting design, which, you know, that's another thing which is really interesting, doing events where you create a space and you create an environment for a temporary period. Yeah. Be it three days or a week. So that, are you that's building... an area I want to get more into, more involved with as well. Okay, wow. So have you built a physical space inside of that? It's not just like an open gym floor. It's an enclosed space. Okay, wow. But, it's, but, it, but it uses um, kind of, um, it's, it's a timber structure and, um, and voile, which is like netting or like mesh, like, like, like stockings, you know. Okay. Um, and a, and a, with lights on the inside that will be, um, be timed to the music. 
So can you see from the outside in? You'll see, you'll see, you, you can see, but it's, it's kind of hazy. Okay, wow. So it's kind of got that private workout space too then? Private but visible. Oh, so yeah, cool. which is quite interesting. So you know, this, that's I'm the so other... excited to do that. Yeah, I'm going on the Sunday, I think. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, yeah. Coral asked me about that. So yeah, I'm very excited. So that's another thing when you create spaces for people to work out in is how private that space is. Mm. You know, can people look in? You know, where does the light come from? You know, how, can you can you you know create a space in a windowless environment and make it feel non-oppressive? How do you do that? Mm. These are all design questions that are resolved with you know, clever use of space, materials, and lighting. Um, Interesting. You know, and that's the art of it, really. Yeah, wow. You know, I mean, how do you make a basement space not, you know, not feel oppressive? Yeah. It's a challenge. Um, And, you know, it's something we'd we'd always try to avoid. We'd always rather have natural light. Yeah. You know, at least least one aperture. But our studio, one in Clapton, has no natural light at all. Um, But it doesn't feel enclosed. Because it's got a high ceiling and and the and the, the light the light there's a, a sort of a fa- almost like a, a fake window which which feels like studio one of the fitness studio there yeah oh it doesn't have natural light no natural light wow didn't he realise that yeah but you don't I would notice. have known unless you told me no wow interesting I want to do a yoga class there because I've never been in that studio that's great that's in studio too yeah we always knew that 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 corner would be the yoga studio it's just even when it was an open space before we divided it, we were like, the yoga's going there. Yeah. I see too many pictures. I'm just like, have this FOMO of, of wanting, to, yeah. wanting to do every class possible. Uh-huh. Um, so one thing I do want to talk about before we finish is this idea of like, how do you manage your own, like, because I think as a creative, I think many, many creatives struggle with this, but how do you manage your own, like, you know, healthy lifestyle balance of like your training and etc. your social life, but then also making sure, you know, from a business point of view, you're still staying on track with block. But then of course you pretty much run something else totally full time too, I imagine, which is your photography background. Like, how do you manage that? And do you just find that like you, it's just like, it's just nature. It's just life now that it doesn't really feel like it's hard to manage. It's interesting because initially I found it difficult, but I've got, I've got, I've had the same agent for, you know, seven years now. Wow. So they, they do the job of sort of taking my, my portfolio around to ad agencies and, you know, they'll do production if I get a job. Okay. Nice. Um, so I did a three day job in Edinburgh, um, a few weeks ago. And you, I just kind of produced that alongside everything else. Right. And when I did it, it was, you know, straightforward for me. I don't find kind of commissioned photography particularly, particularly difficult because you generally, you generally don't have budget restraints. Mm. So you can just hire in this, the stylist, set builder, model maker, um, producer, casting director. You can hire in who you need and they will do that job well. Yeah. Providing you choose the right people. Um, so I can work that in with everything else. I do all manner of shoots, you know, around what I do at Block. I do a, I do a lot of shoots for Block. Um, you know, I'll be shooting the Manchester advertising campaign, which we're running um, from the end of May. So that must be so handy so, to be able to do that in-house because it's your vision too. So yeah. like, there's no question that it's not going to look good. Yeah, exactly. You know, and match what the brand is truly about. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's very... Um, 
it can be quite difficult being kind of photographer, creative director, the whole thing, mm. because you 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 know you, you you can look at it from so many different angles. Yeah, and also you're dealing with budgets as well, so it's kind of it, it's not actually a straight necessarily straightforward. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's from a business perspective, it's it's fantastic because mm. you know you to get that kind of quality of work, you know, you would never be able to outsource that any other way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but I mean, I find that, you know, how, you know, it's, it's not easy to manage everything. I find the key thing is doing morning classes mm. and I tend to do early morning classes. So I'll try and do a 6.30 class and then be at my desk for eight. Mm. If it go, if everything goes well, <laughs> you know, and that, and that, if I can do that, then that's a good day. Um, and you know, it's just, you know, I, it just ends up being a lot of work, you know, mm. work through the day, work late work weekends quite often but if I take time out I'll take a weekend off and go somewhere with friends yeah take a trip you know that would be that would be getting physically out of the city getting physically helps. out of the city I mean it's got a lot better recently because the day-to-day -day sort of issues with running a site have now are now handled by you know a very capable team of operations staff mm. who you know can handle stuff they understand the sites they understand the sort of um the complexities of it yeah and and the quirks you know because every site's different, but yeah, that makes a big difference. Yeah, to when have you, a good team. Yeah, to have a good team. So um, yeah, the key thing for me is like making sure, you know, the fitness stays in there, eating well, and kind of taking time out to go to um, art art galleries and, you know, see what inspired. else is going on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what do you think will happen with the future of the fitness industry? What is it? Where do you feel like it's going? Do you feel like, obviously, classes is bigger now than it's ever been. Like, that whole concept of a community growing, do you think that's mm. just going to get bigger? I don't see that. I, I don't see the direction changing massively. Mm. I think that people... I think what we'll see is the bigger membership gyms struggling to compete with the class-based model. Right. But not so much your higher-end luxury ones like Third Space, Equinox, they're, they're, they will do well, but your kind of Virgin Actives, yeah. LA Fitness, they mm, Virgin Active will struggle, but then, you know, the pure gyms of this world will always do well because they're incredibly cheap. Yeah, they're super cheap. You know, right? so if you want to go and lift weights, you know, put your and headphones your on and do your thing... And you want to pay twenty quid a month? You can do that. Yeah, exactly. And you can even do classes in those places as well. Yeah. So, but it's a completely different experience. Yeah, massively. So, so. And, and arguably one that you you'd never really would, and arguably one that wouldn't, arguably one that wouldn't be sustainable. Yeah, I mean, it just doesn't push you personally. Like it's no. just, it's like actually demotivating. I yeah. remember, like as soon as I kind of like started going block, like consistently five times a week in January. I was like, man, I'm cancelling my block. I'm cancelling my gym membership. Like, I yeah. can't. Like, I was, I tried. I went to the gym. Like, I think even the same day that I'd done the class, I was like, this is dull. Like, why yeah. am I here? Like, and the thing is, I've always made gym friends at the gym. Always. Mm. Doesn't matter what gym I've gone to. And being around other people, I'm such a people person, like, that I would always make a friend at the gym. But what you find so much of the time is, and what I suppose I did find is that, you know, I train in just a sports bar and leggings. Like, I don't want to be in anything else. Like, I'm going to get really hot and really sweaty and I don't want to have loads of clothes on me and sweat marks. Like, ooh, I can't think of anything worse. Yeah. And what you find, though, is when you're in these just, like, 
when you're in tight lycra and you're in a gym mm. where it's just men and then you start talking to a guy like I never used to I used to be quite naive and just connect with them and whatever and not think anything of it and before you know it they see you at the gym and they're like so when are we going to go for that drink and I'm like you never spoke about going on for a drink you know what I mean and it's like yeah. the it's the message is confusing because they can't quite see and I think you know there's a lot of talk about that in terms of like you know should a man approach a woman in a gym? Should, like, is that fine? And to me, I never saw the issue with it. It's more like, you know, how you go about that. I mean, that's life, isn't it? Like, men, right. men will always chat with women at any opportunity. Right, whenever, like, it doesn't really know. make a difference where it's it is. It's not really a kind of, doesn't become really a me too issue at that point. I don't no, think. never. And if yeah. anything, I normally, like, I just yeah. make mates. Like, for me, it's not like, oh, it's a man in the gym. It's not yeah. like that. It's more like, I always wanted to find a friend. Yeah. in the gym you know it was more like I just wanted to talk to someone yeah. and you know m most of the time I was very lucky in the sense that I would you know become friends with someone and then we'd train together and then like I'm so lucky I had guys that would then want to train me and mm. stuff and I never got some sort of like weird like let's do you know remark from them and I think actually that I feel sorry for men because I feel like they get a lot of slack about you know oh should you approach a woman in the gym like at the same time, if you see, you know, if you see a woman that's quite clearly working out and appreciating, you know, you appreciate the fact, oh, wow, okay, hats off to her, she's training, whatever. Yeah. Why is that a bad thing to compliment her? Like, we live in a world now where I think people are so scared to freaking compliment each other that then as soon as we start doing that, we get all on a high horse and defensive. And, yeah. Well, mm. I think we're entering an era, like an era of new sort of puritanism where mm. it's almost like it's, it's, there's so many social rules you know which seem to have emerged about what you can and can't do or what you can and can't say yeah that it's quite stifling yeah um yeah it's, it, i find it I, I find it quite difficult to comprehend mm. um, and also the culture of people getting offended about everything yeah like, i don't understand how you can get offended by anyone saying anything <laughs> if someone punches you in the face that's offensive yeah. if someone says a word it's like well, it's free speech you can say what you like really. yeah it might be awful but like you don't have to listen to it yeah or, and this is how you take it. it yeah i mean obviously if someone's horrendously rude and and, and kind of insulting then that's one thing mm. but if someone expresses a viewpoint that kind of someone finds offensive it can be you know it's, it's not really particularly sort of uh open-minded i don't think yeah no exactly and i feel like it's uh, quite hypocritical in yeah. some respects because we we enter a world where we're talking about being open to new things and being yeah. okay with change. And then on the other side of things, you kind of have like, well, you've got to be careful what you say. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, for me, I've always been one that I don't think before I speak. And I've, I've kind of always said it. And I do also believe that what you speak over your life is even more true. And so I kind of always have been like that. And I just... Um, it's one of those things that, you know, people do say to me, they say, oh, gosh, wow, like, it's quite refreshing that you just quite share your opinion and, like, what you're saying. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's just me and who I am. doesn't mean that it affects you in your life, like, unless you're my, not even if you're my sister. Like, I don't live with my sisters. It's a different mm -hmm. space. I don't even, you know, spend the same time, do the same th things as them. So, actually, what I think sometimes, a lot of the time, does not affect their life, mm -hmm. even though it's my sister, you know? So, I think I agree with you. Like, it's... Uh, it's a, an interesting world that we live in now more than ever. Like, yeah. So I don't even think I really need to tell people where to find you because I, I'm always at Block. So if you need to find Block's Instagram, then you can go on mine and you'll find them very quickly. <laughs> yeah, it's very clear that you're there a lot of the time. I love, love it. <laughs> always broadcasting. Always. Yeah, it's, it's important. Good. It's important. And as well, it's funny because... Um, 
I had this conversation with someone last week, actually. I think subconsciously what I didn't realize is for me with model me, that's how I want people to be about model me. Like in the mm. future when I have whatever I have in whatever way it looks or if I have, a, you know, someone that's going to do something with me from a brand perspective, I want them to be super proud of me and what we're doing and who we are. And if like for me at the same time, I just treat people how I think I would like to be treated. Mm. And now I have my own business even more so when it comes to a business perspective. Yeah. Um, and for me, Block does so much for me, you know, in so many different angles and ways of my life. That Why would I not share that? Mm. And now we live more than ever in a world where, you know, influencers, that word is actually tarnished. And actually to have an influence on the world is a really amazing thing. And if you can do it in a way that's authentic and actually damn right real, then like, what's wrong with that? So. Well, nothing's wrong with that, but there's a, there's a, re- I mean, I think that, the reality is like, like you have an influence on the world by creating something quite tangible. Mm. So if you do a great work of art or write a book, you mm-hmm. know, that's something which is will exist as a thing which might have a chance of possibly influencing people. Right. I think the problem with, you know, anything like digitally on social media is just it is completely insubstantial. Right. Really. Just it's just it's just noise that comes and goes, you know. Right. So that's physical that's, space isn't so important, right? Physical well, physical space isn't like sustained creation of something that's of value which takes time out of years you know yeah that i i I mean you know art you know a great building you know a book painting that's the stuff that i sort of think that's got real value yeah because it's working hard for generations afterwards and affecting people it's it's timeless Mm. um you know people come and go don't they yeah really (laughs) human beings (laughs) We're, we're blessed and cursed all at the same time yeah. in some respects, you know? Yeah. Anyway, I think I could talk to you about everything with Block and your life forever. Yeah. Uh, but I won't do that because it's late on a Sunday. <laughs> yeah, no, it's cool. Um, yeah. Thanks so much for doing this Pleasure. with me. Really it was it. amazing. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you want to see what we're doing next time with our events, um, just follow us on Instagram. is probably the best way to do that. It's model underscore me. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. <laughs>